Well, good morning, and again, happy Mother's Day. So good to see you. Welcome to Clear Creek. If you are long time or new time, we're glad you're here. And for all of our online family, welcome this morning as well. Today's a special day as we celebrate Jesus Christ and the special women in our lives. We are going to dive into the teaching here in just a moment. But before we do, I'd like for us just to take a moment and to uh, acknowledge the special women in our midst. Because can we just get an uh uh-huh for this statement? You would not be here. Without your mama, can I get a uh uh-huh? So no matter how good your mama is or how bad you thought your mama did, and even for those of us who may not have met our moms for whatever reason, we can still thank God for the life that we get received because of our moms. All right, if you'll grab a seat and grab your Bible. In fact, do me a quick favor. If you have a Bible, maybe it looks like this. Maybe it looks like this. Would you go ahead and grab your Bible? Hold it up. I want to see your Bibles. Everyone this morning, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Hold it up. There you go. Okay. Now, something I'm going to start asking you to do, and this is not just one and done, but I'm going to start asking you, bring your Bible with you. Okay? I know this looks like a Bible, but it ain't a Bible. It's a screen that projects the scriptures on here. And if you forget your scriptures from one Sunday to another, that's all right. Or if you're new here and you're not even sure about this, that's fine. But if you are a part of the Lord's family, if you claim this to be your church, will you bring your Bible? Because I don't want you just assuming what I'm saying is true. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Because your hope and mine is not in the pithy words of someone on a platform. It's in the written, inspired words of our God. Amen? So grab your Bibles, please, and open them to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you're not sure where that is, you have one of two ways to find it. Go to the very front of the Bible at the index. Look, you'll find it. Other way is go to the very end of the Bible and then come back a few books, really near the end. But 1 John chapter 5. Now, we were going to be looking at part three of our series, What Happens When You Die. And we will, but let me tell you, we're doing something a little different today. We're in this series, What Happens When You Die. We began by looking at those, the reality that every one of us will die if Jesus does not come back beforehand. Amen? It's just the reality. And so week one, we looked at what are our options because we're going to die. What happens? Week two, which was last Sunday, we looked at the reality of hell, that there is a place where those who refuse Jesus will be separated from Jesus Jesus is the quintessential gentleman, and if you tell him, no, 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 leave me alone, he will do it. And there is a place where we will be separated, but that is not the only place. Is that good news, family? There's another place called heaven where we will be with God forever, where if in this life he says, I want to be with you, he says, great, I've got a place in my house for you forever. Now, today we are going to look at heaven because... Mother's Day, what could be more heavenly? But some recent events, we need to shift our thinking just for today. And I want to address a very important question in just a moment. But before that, I need to let you know about some sad news that we learned of. Yesterday morning, I woke, I was in Nashville at a graduation, and I woke to a text saying at 12.40 a.m. yesterday, our brother in Christ, Bart Hardison, had an unexpected heart attack and passed away. Now, most of you, if you've been a part of the Clear Creek Church, you knew Bart, or at least saw him around. He's been on videos. He has been the man who you'll often see in the lobby praying with people, people he doesn't even know who just need someone to pray with them. 
He's taught classes for years. He's been a blessing, and he's one of our elders. He was one of the men responsible for the spiritual covering of our church. He was one of the best Barnabas people I've ever met. In the four years I've been here, he has well over 100 times grabbed me either in the lobby or in my office before preaching and say, can I just pray with you? This morning when I came in, he wasn't there, and I got to tell you, I missed it. And so we want to pray for the church because his presence will be missed. And I know many of you are hurting because you love Bart. We want to pray for his wife, Jenny, and his two daughters, Marianne. And we want to pray also for Marianna and for Elena. And we want to ask for God's help. There's one other group I'm going to ask you specifically to be praying for, and that is the rest of your elders and the leadership of their, this church. They are hurting today. Bart was not just someone who served with them. He is a brother, and the man who prayed for me prayed for many, many, many of them all the time. So I'm going to ask you, and I need you to nod your head if you'll agree to do this. Will you agree just to love on your elders in the next few weeks and the Hardison family? Can we do that as a church? Okay. So I want to ask to pray over the family, and then we're going to jump into the text this morning. So if you will, let's bow. Your word promises that you are close to the brokenhearted Father. And so today, we're, we're going to hold you to that promise and ask in Jesus' name that you will be close to everyone here. I pray for those who knew Bart, loved Bart, and loved the Hardison family that you would comfort them in a profound and special way. And I pray for our elders and staff and those who were shoulder to shoulder with Bart. I think about even my buddy Evan, who this morning did not get to teach with Bart. And I ask that you will comfort them. Father, we pray for Jenny. We pray for Mariana and Elena. We pray that your hand of comfort and the peace that passes our understanding or circumstances will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And Lord, for all those in this church who are hurting with other things, I pray this will be a church that is sensitive and tender to one another because you never know who's going through something. I pray for our brothers and sisters today who are hanging on for dear life. Would you remind them that they do not hold on alone, but the strength that brought Jesus Christ out of the grave now is in them. To God be the glory. Through the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So a song that has been on my mind a lot as soon as I heard the news yesterday is... Is this beautiful song, and I wonder if you're familiar with this great old hymn, Blessed Assurance. Any of you remember the old hymn? Blessed Assurance. What's the next line? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. Do you know what this means? It means that the family of God, what God owns, all that he has, you are now brought into the family and his will, his gifting is that you get all the goodies that Jesus, his other son, gets. You are an heir of salvation. You have been purchased by God from the blood of Christ Jesus. You were born of his spirit, as we saw this morning, our sweet sister. And if you are in Christ, you've been washed in his blood. That means that your sin is gone. And then there's this little phrase. Do you notice it? The first line of the chorus is, 
this is what? My story. This isn't just out there. This isn't just someone's story. This is my story. It is from a general promise to a personal experience. This is my story. This is my song. Oh, I'm going to praise my Savior all the day long. This song, in so many ways, epitomizes the hope of the Christian life. But I have this concern that I think we need to address. You see, we talked about hell last week, and we're going to talk about uh, heaven next week. But heaven is only exciting and wonderful if you know you're going there. And there are far too many Christians who enter the church on Sunday, leaving on Sunday, wondering where they will go. And all I want us to do before we talk about the glories of life with God is, I need you to know that you can have rock-solid assurance that you are saved. No more wonder, no more worry, no more wishing, no more fearing, but assurance that Christ Jesus' work on the cross was is and will be enough for you for eternity. This week, I had a call. It came through the church office. Shelly Hendricks was manning the phones or femaling the phones, whatever, and she picks it up, and on the other line is this this lady's voice, and she says, I'm paraphrasing, she says, hey, is the preacher there? I need to talk to him. Is the preacher there? I need to talk to him. I've been watching his messages online, and I need to talk to him. And so Shelly reaches out and says, there's someone who wants to talk to you. And she says, She's been watching your sermons, and it's urgent. Now, that makes this preacher a little bit nervous. I've been watching you, and I've got some questions. So I call this lady back, and I say, my name is Joshua. What can I do for you? And on the other end of the line was not the voice of a 60-year-old or a 30-year-old, but a young lady, and she says, I'm scared that I have sinned in such a way that God will never forgive me. Am I going to hell? Through the course of the conversation, I asked her, I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 14 years old. Question, is it okay that anyone in the church of Jesus Christ wonder if they're saved? No. Should any 14-year-old wonder if they are lost for eternity, if they have given their heart and their hope to Jesus? By the way, the answer is no. No. So we talked. And I'm afraid that what she said isn't simply representative of a 14-year-old girl, but it's true of so many of us in here. Because you wake up in the middle of the night and you remember something you did, and you go, oh no, did God forgive that? Or you remember that moment where you were not brave when you should have been brave, and you go, oh no, does God remember that? Or you wonder or you worry because you didn't say the right thing, think the right thing. Or some of us read about the unpardonable sin, and we go, oh, did I do that? And we wonder and we worry. And what I want you to hear this morning from God's Word, that's why you must bring it and know God's Word, is there is a word of assurance that I want you to see so that no matter who you are or what you've done, because we've all done stuff, that you can be assured of your salvation in Jesus. And then we'll talk about heaven. And so our brother John, the beloved of Jesus, tells us these beautiful words in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I want you to see how you can know that you have eternal life. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning?
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that, notice this, you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. We're going to look at those things now. Father, we ask you to show us what we need to see so we leave here with the assurance of salvation and the joy that comes from it, the confidence that comes from it, will simply ooze out of us into the spaces where we go this week and that the world may know your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You say, so what are these things? Let me show you these things that he writes. First, notice he says something. He says the Son of God. Now, the Son of God, by the way, the answer is Jesus. Who is the Son of God, church? He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, what are these things? If this is something that will give me peace and confidence, I need to know these things. Here's the first Thing. In verse 9, it won't be on screen, so jot this down. In verse 9, he tells us the first thing. The way you can know and have assurance is because of what God says about you. God's testimony is what he says. In verse 9, God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. What does that mean? Let's talk for a moment. If you're in the court of law, perhaps you've been pulled over for a speeding violation or something more serious. You will stand before a judge and plead your case. If it's a bigger trial, perhaps there will be witnesses. You'll have a jury, those who will decide your fate. And you will attempt to convey the information that will exonerate you, that will show that you are not at fault and you'll be set free. So you may have someone who gives, well, an eyewitness account of the events or someone else, an expert account, or someone else who may just be a character witness to talk about who you really are. Did you know one of those who does that is God the Father himself? On trial for your very life and soul, wondering if eternity will be with God or far from God, who but God himself takes the stand and gives testimony for who Jesus Christ is to give assurance to you and me that you can be and are saved. What does that mean? In verse 11 and 12, he says this, and this is the testimony. What does God say? God has given us eternal life, not just life on earth, but eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has, notice this, the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Write this down. God testifies. If you have Jesus, you have assurance. Now, I want to be real clear. Some of us are not living with blessed assurance, but blessed insurance. Here's what I mean. How many of you, over the age of 18, have some form of some kind of some insurance? I'm trying to make it broad so everyone's hand goes up. Yeah? If your hand's not up, we need to talk. Insurance for your life, perhaps for injury or for your property. It is something that you pay. Uh, Maybe it's monthly or it's quarterly or every six months or annually. But you pay someone. 
and you agree that you will continue to pay in the event of a problem, they will then insure your life, your property, your health, so that if the worst thing happens, the people you love will be taken care of. Many of us are living with insurance salvation. We believe that we simply need to keep the dues every month, every quarter, every six months. We are the ones to pay for what we have. And if you forget a payment, what happens? No insurance. And so you go out and you buy some insurance and you go, I'm safe. I've got what I need. And you think everything's okay until your house catches fire. The water main bursts. The uninsured motorist hits you or the doctors or the hospital say, your insurance doesn't cover that. Wait, I thought my insurance covered everything. Oh, no, no, no. You understand insurance covers certain things, but not other things. How many of you have woken up in the middle of the night realizing, "Uh uh-oh, Or you read your insurance statement and the more that you read all the little clauses, all the little things in there, your blood pressure goes up as you read down the page. Because you think that you're insured, but not completely. Have you known anyone who thought they were saved, but not completely? Blessed insurance is not blessed. But blessed assurance? Assurance is confidence. It's the freedom of knowing that no matter what happens, you are taken care of. It is this rock-solid assurance, this sense that God, no matter what happens, He has taken care of it. Why can we be assured? It's because you do not keep paying for your salvation. Christ paid for your salvation. It is paid in full. Everything on the cross is now in the tomb. You understand when Christ came out of the tomb, friend, He left your sin there. Not just the past or present, but your future. You say, how is that possible? You understand every bit of your sin was in the future of God. And yet he took it all into that moment so that it stays there. You can have assurance knowing that Christ Jesus has paid the price for you. First, God testifies that Christ does this for you. Now, what does it mean to have Jesus? This is such an interesting idea. This this idea of having something. I mean, we can talk about having a dollar. We can talk about having the common cold. We can talk about having a lawyer. Same word, different results. So when we talk about having a dollar, what does that mean? Well, it means that you have the buying power of that dollar. Whatever it is worth, you have that. It is at your disposal. You get to enjoy the fullness of that benefit. When it comes to the common cold, what does it mean? Well, it means you get sniffs, snuffs. Runny eyes, runny nose. If it's a really bad thing, you get runny other stuff, and that's just gross. You get fevers. You have all that is entailed in owning it. Or with a lawyer, you have their expertise and their representation in the court. So what does it mean to have Jesus? Have you ever considered what it means to have Jesus Christ? It means you enjoy the privileges of everything he has. And he brings it to bear in your life. You get to enjoy forgiveness of sins, removal of shame, peace with God, 
the presence of His Holy Spirit, reconciliation with one another, and a home with God in heaven. This is what it means to have Jesus. To have Jesus is to have it all. In other words, it is to have the life you've always wanted. It's the desires of your heart brought to bear. And no, it's not a bigger house necessarily on earth. No, it's not necessarily living to 90, but it is a home with God forever living for millions and billions and trillions of years with your father. This is what it means to have Jesus. But this is worth nothing for you to have Jesus if Jesus doesn't have you. Amen? I mean, after all, you can hold on to him, but if he's doing this, get off me, kind of shaking you off his leg, then it's no good to you, is it? So what does it mean to have Jesus? Well, John gives us this beautiful explanation of it in verse 13. He says, I write these things. Let's go back to that verse. I write these things to who? To you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal Life To have Jesus is to believe in Jesus. If you want Jesus, you believe in Jesus. Now, I put this little word up here, trust, because belief is more than what you think. It is that you empower and employ the whole of your life. Let me give it this way. Have you ever been in a, a scary swimming situation, maybe as a little kid or as an adult, and you're out in the water, maybe it's a great big, it's the ocean, Maybe it's a lake. Maybe it's a swimming pool. I found this great video this week. I wish I could have shown it to you. There's this little kid who is holding on for dear life to this rope. And he is screaming, just screaming. This little guy, he's terrified that if he lets go, he's going bloop, 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 bloop. One of those horrifying moments. And then this mom comes over and in all of her love doesn't say anything to him. She rather tries to yank him off the rope. And I thought, what in the world am I watching? The internet is a dark, scary place. But she, she holds and she pushes until she pushes down and his feet touch. And he goes, the water is only here. And he goes, ah, ah. Huh? Have you ever had a moment where, where you were out there and you didn't know what was going to happen? Now, if you're in deep water, they will often throw you something like this. A little bigger, because this one would get around my ankles. That's about it. It's a lifesaver. Now, to believe in the lifesaver, let's just use a silly illustration, but stay with me. To believe in the lifesaver is not simply to watch it floating nearby and saying, yep, that could save me. I believe it. Woo! But that has the power to get me out of this mess. I just hope that it'll come blub, 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 blub. Belief is not simply acknowledging in your mind the truth of something. Belief, according to Scripture, is saying, I am entrusting it with the full weight of my life. I am holding on for dear life. To have Jesus is to trust Him, to cling to Him and say, I got no other options. The water's too deep, life's too tough, my sin is too great, hell is too hot, eternity is too long. I need a Savior and I am not it. It is to trust Him by clinging to Him. You say, but Josh, I thought I did, but then I sinned again. Does that mean that I let go of Him? No. In the moments when you sin, like this little girl I'm talking to on the phone, I said, sweetheart, the fact that you are worried if you're saved says You're not lost. 
The moment that you stop wondering or worrying, the moment that in the, when you sin, the moment that it doesn't bother you anymore, that you go, Psh, doesn't matter. Those are the moments to worry, but for so long as you say, why did I do that? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He says, oh, dear child, I will not let you go. And unlike the wondering of if this will hold my life, child, I hold the very waters that you're so afraid of. I carved them. I created all things. And at the right time, I sent my son to die for you. I will hold you secure. And so the Apostle Paul writes, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? And he goes through a list and his final statement is nothing. That you are secure in Jesus Christ so long as you trust him with your life. Friend, if you have given your life to Christ, you are secure. Don't you dare give the devil any more joy by wondering or worrying about your salvation. Instead, lift your eyes to the Father and say, thank you, because I am with you forever. There's one more little detail in this song I want us to look at. It begins with blessed assurance, but in verses 2 and 3, there's a, an unusual little phrase. Visions of rapture, notice this, now burst on my sight, seeing, and then down here, I'm watching, I'm looking above. Now, when we read this at face value, it seems like, yes, yeah, so that's just poetic beauty, right? God, we look for you. God, we love you. It's poetic until you realize that the author of this song was a blind woman named Fanny J. Crosby. How many of you have heard the name Fanny Crosby? Any of you? She wrote numerous hymns. She was not born blind, though. When she was six weeks old, she developed an infection. She got sick, and as a result, her eyes were inflamed. And the doctors in her time did not have uh, the knowledge we do today. And so the doctor attending her used this mustard compound. You know, mustard, mustard from the plant. It's very harsh and abrasive. And he thought, this will fix the inflammation. It'll help. And so he applied it to her eyes. The infection went away, but so did her sight. Her eyes were so scarred by the mustard. And so from six weeks old, she was blind. And yet, at a young age, she became a devout follower of Jesus, trusting him with everything, so much so that at age six, she began to write songs of praise. And before she died, she had finished writing over 8,000 hymns. Now, you may not recognize all of them being written by her because she was embarrassed how many people knew her songs, and so she began to write in different pseudonyms. She'd have a different pen name for this group of songs and for this one. I think it's so interesting, don't you, that a blind woman who cannot see is writing about visions of rapture now burst on my sight. She employed her divine imagination to say, what will it be like? And she knew that there was coming a day when she would not have to imagine, but she would see him face to face. She says, watching, looking above, I'm filled with his goodness and lost in his love. On February 12, 1915, Fanny J. Crosby didn't have to imagine anymore. She closed her earthly eyes and fell asleep. And when she woke up, her perfectly renewed eyes saw the face of Jesus Christ. 
And yesterday morning at 12.40 in the morning, our brother Bart closed his eyes, and when he opened them again, he saw Jesus Christ. And friends, for everyone in this room and online, hear me. One day you will close your eyes. We all will, and you will go to sleep for one last time. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you have said, I can't, praise God, you can, then when you close your eyes and open them again, the face you will see is Jesus Christ. You can have that blessed assurance. And if you don't know Jesus yet, you don't have to leave here wondering. You can get that assurance. We're going to sing a song in a moment. And while we do, I will be in the lobby. Others will be out there as well. If you want to pray with someone or if you want to know what your next steps are, we would love to help you. And this morning we celebrate so much the decision of our sweet sister, Mary Ann. And where are you? Let's see, Mary Ann, right over here. Could you all just welcome her to the family, by the way? You can have the blessed assurance. Hold on to Jesus, family. He's our only hope. Let's stand. I want to pray over you, and then we'll sing this familiar song together. If you feel so inclined, grab the hand of someone nearby. Put a hand around someone. Let's bow. Our assurance is in you, Jesus, and only in you. No amount of push-ups will keep death away. No amount of friends on earth will keep us from closing our eyes one last time. Money cannot buy us eternal security. But Jesus, you gave it freely and continue to offer it to all who will simply cling to you in belief. Lord Jesus, I pray for every friend in this room and online who knows you. May they have the assurance of their relationship with you. Take away the joy of our enemy and remind us that we are secure in Jesus. And for anyone this morning who is anxious and wondering and worrying because they have not yet clung to Christ, they do not have to leave this place wondering or worried. Speak to them now. Let them come and ask and we will take the next steps. But Lord Jesus, don't let anyone wonder another minute. We love you. We thank you for, yes, Bart's life. But Father, we ultimately thank you for Jesus, for it is in him and him alone that we have assurance. Praise be to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Now let's sing the song of assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song.
song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day.